Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brother Cousins Podcast, episode 33. Today, we are so glad to have a special guest on the podcast, Sister Elise Fleming from the Oklahoma City area. She's graciously agreed uh, to be our guest, and we're really looking forward to our discussion with her today. Today, we have on the podcast, Elise, we have Jared, Jeffrey, and myself. So a lot of folks here contending for uh, airtime, so we're going to try to do our best to keep it nice and concise. Ha ha. But we're really looking forward to the discussion today. Now, the reason that we have Elise on the podcast is because, well, a lot of reasons. She's recently been featured on the 15 Minutes in a Big Idea podcast with Brother Jordan Danzer. Did a fantastic job. If you haven't caught some of those roundtable episodes with her on there, do yourself a favor and check out 15 Minutes in a Big Idea and uh, look at those episodes or listen to those episodes where Elise is talking over some ideas with Jordan. That was one reason. The other reason that we wanted to interview Elise on the podcast is because she is a great friend. Actually, we consider a little sister to Jeffrey and me, and Jared has a great relationship with her as well. Elise's father, David Minson, is an evangelist with the Churches of Christ and has been a huge influence on all three of us, specifically Jared, or excuse me, uh, Jeffrey and me, as we spent a lot of time in the, in the Minson home. And David being our mentor and their family, just treating us like one of their own. So we're very thankful to have Elise on. Elise, I would love it if you would introduce yourself, tell us about you and what you do and your family and kind of some of the ties you have with our families. Okay, well, I'm super excited to be on with you guys today and thank you for having me. Um, uh, we live in Oklahoma City area. My, I am married to David Fleming. That's Leland Fleming's oldest son, for those trying to keep up with all of that. <laughs> uh, we attend the South Penn Congregation. We've been here for seven years. I have two little girls, a 13-year-old and a seven-year-old that I homeschool. I stay at home with them and um, enjoy getting to be a big part of their life. Um, obviously love all three of the guys who host the Brother Cousins podcast, but love their wives as well and consider them to be dear sisters to me. Um, I actually grew up around, uh, Laura and Rachel and, uh, had a lot of fun, a lot of slumber parties with, uh, snacks and Anne of Green Gables and, uh, <laughs> Rachel actually spent time with our grandma too. So I've always felt like we were all family and connected. And of course the blood of Christ connects us all. Amen. Yeah. There's a lot of ties there. You're very lucky Elise that first you get to be on the podcast today. And secondly, you didn't have to be married to one of us to make that happen. So you're double lucky. I mean, I don't want to be the one to say that, but (laughs) you just be saying what everybody's thinking. So, well, you, as you said, you are a mother of two fantastic little girls and, uh, well, a young lady and a little girl, I'll say it that way. I remember when Lexi was born and it's just crazy how fast it goes by, but she's turned into a sweet and gracious young lady that we know that you and David are super proud of. And, uh, the exploits of your younger daughter are, uh, famous on Facebook. And I just love all the stuff that you share about Braylee. It's great stuff. She keeps us on our toes. <laughs> yeah. Braylee-isms are a thing, right? Yes. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, no doubt that that you and David are working hard to to craft those little idiosyncrasies into her strength, since she's going to be a, a fantastic servant of Christ one day. We're we're super confident. Well, well thank you. Well, you are a great mother. We've seen you in action. You know, you bring perspective to the conversation. You have a great mother. We haven't talked about your mother, Tanya Minson. Um, Jeffrey and I refer to her as the queen mother uh, from our time spent mentoring under your dad. So she's a great lady. You've had a good example of a godly mother. And what, what influence has she played in your journey in motherhood and how you've raised your own girls? I mean, I, that's a really difficult question to answer and try to be concise. I'll just say that uh, growing up, watching her, everything she did was about somebody else and about serving somebody else. Um, and that's really what her example and her um, and her teaching to my sister and I taught us is that everything that we do in our lives, whether it's for our husbands, for our children, for the, the church, whether it's a congregation or, or the bigger church as a whole, it's, it's about serving others and, and doing that um, in the name of Christ. Yeah, her influence is, is evident there. And I think it's also worth mentioning, and maybe you have something to say about this too, that your dad you know, even though he's your dad and he, he can't obviously teach you how to be a mother, but I know that he's has been very instrumental and influential in helping you become the parent that you are. How would you say those influences from your dad are both alike and maybe contrasted with your mom's? Well, I think that for anybody who knows my parents, the big difference that that's pretty obvious is that my mom is this meek and quiet. Um, spirit and my dad is this larger than life presence. <laughs> um, so their teaching styles are different, but the thing that dad taught me besides just service is a big thing in his heart too, is he always taught me and my sister that, that our work in the kingdom was not limited just because we were women. Right. Um, that there was, there were jobs to be done and, and that the role of women in the church is so important and that, um, Jesus, when he came to this earth and he was bringing a message of salvation, he was also bringing a message to women that, that they mattered and that they had a place. Um, and that's one really big area where he, influenced my life the other thing he did is placed older women in my life besides just my mom who were strong Christian influences who have helped shape me and he always encouraged those relationships yeah that's fantastic and shows a great deal of wisdom I appreciated that about your dad very much you know one of those women Elise was your grandmother that you've already mentioned you know you talked about Rachel was close with her and and through that I got to spend some time with her not as much as I would have liked um looking back now but she was one of those women that was very diligent very busy um about the work and a very good influence on all of you young ladies yes she was she um I mean especially 
in the last few years, years of her life when most people would let what she faced slow them down. It seemed like it only spurned her on to do more for the kingdom. Yeah, it, it, it did. And she was a big encouragement to Maudine through that. Um, Rachel and, and Laura's grandmother, grandma, um, that just had a really big impact on all of our lives watching her. Two pretty special ladies to live up to some pretty amazing examples. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, it's interesting. The more that we talk, the more of these connections I'm being reminded of. It's, it's pretty uncanny. So how appropriate it is that uh, you're on this podcast. And I'm so grateful that our listeners are going to get to learn some things from you today, Elise. Now, I know, Elise, from our conversations before uh, the broadcast that you've been learning a lot and you know we in talking about you know what do you want to bring to the podcast one of the questions i ask basically is what has the lord been teaching you you know what are you gaining and learning on your journey and you had some things in mind that you wanted to to dig into and one of those things that you mentioned was the growth and maturity in your prayer life so what uh, specifically did you want to to bring to our listeners consideration about prayer well, I, you know, as a young person, a young Christian, uh, I knew that prayer was important. Um, and I tried to pray uh, often, but I don't think I saw the full value of prayer and the way that having a purposeful prayer life can change you and help you grow as a Christian and draw you closer to Christ and can draw you closer to your brothers and sisters. And it's just an invaluable tool that I think that we forget to use sometimes. Um, just in the last couple of years specifically um, with the struggles that happened in 2020, you know, the pandemic and, and a lot of those things that, you know, I don't, want to waste time talking about but the things that um, hardships teach us is oh if you will let hardships teach you the right things they'll bring you closer to Christ mm -hmm. and through some of those really hard times um I started studying more about prayer I had already had this idea that my prayer life needed to be better and different Mm -hmm. And um, one of the gentlemen at, at Penn gave a sermon about prayer, and he just talked through one of Paul's prayers and, uh, and talked about, you know, the focus of our prayers. What are we praying about? And I think sometimes that we look at prayer as like going to this genie in a bottle for all mm -hmm. of our wishes to be granted instead of approaching the almighty God and talking to him laying our cares at his feet, asking for help with the things that we're struggling with, not just physical, but also spiritual. Um, specifically, the prayer that he that he talked us through was um, in Colossians. And it is uh, the first chapter in Colossians. And uh, verses 9 through 14, he, uh, he broke down each of those verses. And talked about, okay, this is how we're supposed to be praying for one another. It's spiritual focus. 
so one thing that I try to do in my own personal spiritual life and, and in my own personal prayer life is um, I try to think more as I'm thinking through what I want to pray about. I try to think first about the spiritual okay. and let the physical be secondary. Um, something else that I have tried to do is when I'm praying for others, um, think about all of our congregations have prayer lists. People get on social media and request prayers for different things. And a lot of times those things are physical. Uh, a lot of times there is a, a, a health ailment. Right. And, um, and I think that's great. I think we need to pray for one another in those times. But something that I try to do is, is also pray about well, what that person may be going through spiritually. Um, you know, for example, somebody who's chronically ill or is fighting uh, an illness like cancer that's just ongoing, that's persistent, that could really wear them down. I might try to remember to pray for spiritual fortitude for them so that they can endure the physical trials. Um, so that they can stay spiritually strong as they travel through those issues. Right. Um, and I think what it does is it helps me remember that that person I'm praying for, it's not just about the here and now. It's, it's about the later on, too. And, to, and it helps me to remember to be an encouragement to them spiritually as well. Not just to, hey, how are you feeling? But trying to see the bigger need there, which a lot of times is a spiritual need. Right. It's very common for not, you know, for people who are experiencing a chronic illness that it causes a lot of things, suffering, isolation, questioning, and those can easily bleed over and impact our spiritual life and practice. So I think it's wise to think about those two things the same, in the same way, in the same context. Right. Well, I just think that um, that's, that's one of the ways that Satan tries to hurl darts at us. Mm -hmm. He wants to weaken that, that armor that we have. And when you're weary from an illness and you're tired and you don't feel good, well, it's really easy to start questioning and start doubting. And that's when we need that strength from God. And I think that praying for somebody to get well is, is okay and it's good. And I've done that before. But more than their physical health, if their physical health is restored, but their spiritual health has suffered, well, then are they better off? Yeah, that's a good point to consider. Another thing that I've been trying to do is we've talked about my grandma, my grandma Minson. Uh, I was really close to her, especially the last few years of her life. I was like a lot of young people and didn't appreciate her when I was in my teens like I should have. And when I got married and became a mother, I grew to really see her value and what she could teach me and I would call her and we would talk for hours and sometimes several days a week and 
as a new mom, really struggling and a young wife, I would just pour my heart out to her and she would listen. And then she would say, now listen up, we're going to pray about this. <laughs> I can hear her saying that. I, I, I know I can still hear it in my, you know, in myself too. And even though she's been gone 10 years now. Um, and it occurred to me actually just in the last six months, why have I never done that for anybody? Um, and so it's, it's a newer thing that I've started doing that if I'm talking to somebody who's struggling, whether it's in person or over the phone, I listen to them. And then I just say, you know, my grandma used to do this with me and I'm wondering if it would be okay with you. Can, can we pray about this? And I pray with them. And if they don't want to do that, then I'll pray for them privately. But rarely do you find somebody who doesn't want that. Mm -hmm. um, and the truth is, is sometimes we need that, but we don't know that we need it or we're afraid to ask. Um, and I want to foster more of this feeling between the people that I know and love and the people who may know me that if we're struggling, the first thing we should be willing to ask is, can we pray together? Mm -hmm. Will you pray with me? Um, and that this shouldn't be something that's like, oh, well, we don't normally do this or taboo. It should be something that we're doing often. Um, yeah, I can, I can tell you the first time somebody offered to do that with me, like I just wasn't ready for that. That wasn't what I was expecting. And I, I said, no, I can't right now. You know, uh, I remember where I was standing and who it was. Right. And so since then, you know, I've you know changed my mind and have also done that with people who are struggling over the phone, even, you know, in, in certain instances. So that's, it's definitely powerful because I think it's one thing to say, Hey, I will pray for you, or I have been praying for you. But when you allow someone to ride shotgun with you as you're interceding to God on their behalf, that can really take that relationship to the next level. I mean, it's very, I hate to say visceral, but it's very authentic and real when you hear what someone else is talking to God about you. Well, I just think that with prayer, we see it as this really private, personal thing. Mm -hmm. And that there is an element of prayer that is private and personal. But I mean, how many prayers did Paul write in his letters? And so there is a time for that for us to invite people to be part of that. And it does what you're saying it does. It brings us closer together. Um, our brothers and sisters in Christ are supposed to be our family. We're supposed to really see them that way. And to allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to pray with somebody, to invite that them into that personal space, draws you closer as family. Mm -hmm. And it does the same for them. You know, I'm reminded of a study, Elise, that I think you and I were both a part of, I would say 15 years ago, probably. Um, webcams were just becoming readily available. And it was an online study, and it was about prayer. And I remember specifically 
this situation that we went around and took turns being very specific and purposeful in our prayers. And that was the exercise. And I was very uncomfortable with that because it, you know, there were 10, 15 people on the call probably, and we just took turns and we did that. But I look back now and I have a couple of thoughts. One, it was a very memorable study. Like that was very powerful to me. Um, it was, it was impactful. And another thing is exactly what you guys have been talking about. And that is, that should be more commonplace. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, there's a place for private prayer, but then also that vulnerability and opening up and, and letting people hear your prayers, experience the prayer life together. Um, there's something there's something that takes place there that we need to recognize. I agree, I Jeffrey. That's, that's so true. Um, you know, James says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another and the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I think that sometimes we've lost sight of that need in our lives. And that's something that um, David and I have tried to talk to our girls about is uh, there's no secret sin. We're not going to pretend to be a perfect family because we're not. And you know, there have been times maybe where we felt like we needed to talk to our elders and get help or, um, you know, talk to a, a, an older family that we're close to and get wisdom and counsel. And the girls might say, well, we don't want them to know. We don't want them. But we just told them this is how we help each other. And this is how we, we get better. And it's nothing to be embarrassed about. We're all in the same boat. Um, and we really want to foster in our girls this idea that secrecy and things like that have no place here because we're a family and it's okay to be open and vulnerable um, because these are people who love you deeply. How many prayers of David that we would consider private prayers for ourselves are recorded in the Psalms? I mean, some extremely personal stuff and in his life was put in the spotlight because he was king and a person after God's own heart. But some of that stuff post the fact where he just is pouring his heart out to God and it's set to a Psalm now and immortalized in God's word that we have to go back to um, prayers from the apostle Paul who for all intents and purposes needed to look strong, but showed his weakness and in his weakness, lifted up his brothers and sisters in Christ in his prayers. That's an important point, Jared. And you know, when we look at, I think maybe what's behind some of our hesitancy to make prayer more of a corporate activity is the words of Jesus, where we hear about the hypocrites who pray on the street corner and, and, you know, Jesus counsel to when you pray, you know, go to your, your closet and when you shut the door. But I think it, really depends on our motivation because what's the motivation? Well, when we share our vulnerability and strengthen and encourage one another, that's what the Lord has in mind. When we are trying to edify others with our prayers, like we do when we pray in the assembly or when David recorded his prayer to teach others about his interaction with God, I think that's God honoring when we do it in that way for those reasons. Yeah. 
I agree. I think that our motive behind so much in our spiritual life is the key. It's the motive behind it. And I would even venture to say that there may be a time and a place where public prayer would not be the right thought, even with the right motivation. Mm-hmm. But I think that we need to remember not to box ourselves in. We can always go to the side, you know, find a private spot, sit in our car. Uh, there's, I think we need to be creative, if that makes sense. Um, instead of looking for excuses because maybe it's something we feel uncomfortable with, I think we need to find ways to make ourselves become more comfortable with it. You know, I'm going to add an additional layer to what Jared said and and give an example, I guess, of what Elise is talking about. Whenever you consider some of the Psalms that King David wrote, they were not things that you would expect or want to read about your king. Um, Psalms 86 and verse 16 says, Oh, turn to me and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. You know, he could have referred to himself as God's king. And what he chose to do was humble himself and admit that he was a servant, that he was needy, he was in need of saving, that he was weak, and that he needed God for his strength in the situation. And whenever you're thinking about a culture that he, like what he lived in, of military might, whenever you're commander in chief, is humbling himself in that way and making himself vulnerable in that way. I'm sure that wasn't the quote unquote cool thing for him to do, but it was edifying. It was a teachable moment. It, I mean, there's a reason we go to those Psalms for good examples. And consider just the difference in how he refers to himself there and how he referred to King Saul, whom he was supposed to replace. But it wasn't time yet, and he calls him God's anointed and calls himself here God's servant, showing, demonstrating the humility and, and downtroddenness of his heart. Yeah, and what a strong contrast against King Saul. Whenever he transgressed the Lord of Gilgal, you know, trying to do the sacrifice before Samuel got there, instead of using his faith as a way to relate to God. He used his faith as a way to gain popularity in the support of the people so he could go to battle. Unmitigated disaster, sharp contrast to a man after God's own heart like David. Never really thought about it, but you're right. Well, I think something interesting about David too is is that, well, so many times in the Old Testament, David is presented as a type of Christ. Mm -hmm. And then you look in the New Testament and think about Jesus's prayer in the garden. He asked the father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And I think that we forget that when we are thinking about our personal prayer lives and the things that we wish that God would remove from us, the things that we want to ask him to take away from us, the struggles, whatever they may be, is that Jesus, the son of God, he he petitioned the father who he was, he is one with and said, please, if, if you're willing, take this from me. But he followed that up with the, the desire that God's will would be done and not his own. And I just think that we have to remember whatever 
I mean, the son of God was willing to pour his heart out to God. And I think that that's a, a really good example for us to remember um, in our own prayer lives. Yeah. And, and in that through the father found the strength to, to then get up and go execute the father's will to meet the people coming to get him in continued meekness following the father's pattern and, and his will. But we see him in distress, physical distress in the garden when those prayers. And I don't know if I was in the state he was in to find the strength then to get up and go out and meet these people. He, he didn't run from it. He went and met it head on and, and obviously found that strength through, through his father. So Jesus culminates a life of service and sacrifice with kind of this last Herculean effort of emptying himself. And so at least this has been a great discussion about prayer, but I want to pivot a little bit because I know there's something else that you wanted to talk about. And it's a common trope maybe that we see out on inspirational memes and people put on Facebook about this idea of about not being able to pour from an empty cup. So I know that's something that was on your mind. You want to talk to us a little bit about that concept that you've encountered and and maybe some challenges that you would pose to that way of thinking. I, I, uh, I know that this is kind of a hot button topic, especially, especially among women. Um, this idea of, of you can't pour from an empty cup. And it occurred to me that you can. Jesus did. Um, and I think that one thing that I wish that I had realized as a young mom, and so one thing that I want to try to teach my girls and maybe the other young women in my life who I can have influence over is when you're a new mom, the world wants you to have this idea of, um, well, you, you, you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't, you know, and they, uh, they spend a lot of time telling you what you can't do and uh, telling moms that, well, you have to do it this way. And, and it's a lot of secular notions and ideas. And what I want myself to realize even today as a mother is that uh, this idea of pouring from an empty cup. Jesus did it. And I actually want to read in Philippians chapter 2, um, verses 5 through 11, uh, specifically, but I actually want to back it up a little bit uh, and start in verse 3. It, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit that in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that, the, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, 
and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the of God the Father. I I there's so much in in such a small section of scripture that speaks against what our culture wants us to believe. And one thing about being a mother or just a parent in general is it's a constant service and constant sacrifice. And um, I think that when we lean on God and we look to the example of Jesus, we realize that we can we can pour ourselves out for others and and that we should serve others uh, in that very self-sacrificing way. I think those are really good points, Elise, and, and you're right, that passage in Philippians 2, there's just, there's so much that can be talked about, should be talked about, um, but one of the things that I really want to pull out of it is the phrase, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And I want to relate it back to one of the things you said about wives and mothers being a life of service and becoming in the form of a bond servant. Um, I'm going to expand the scope of that a little bit. I, I recognize and acknowledge that wives and mothers do that daily and that there are many instances that they have to quote unquote pour from an empty cup. But I think as Christians in general, um, that's the expectation is that this mind is, is in you. And one thing that I want to bring up, you know, we, we talked a lot about at the beginning of this episode, the way that your grandmother has been able to have an impact on people. Um, I know that you have had an impact on our family a great deal. Um, and it's because you were willing to, to be a servant and to listen. Um, for those of you who don't know, and if we need to edit this out, we can. Um, I asked Hannah if I could share this. Um, Elise has been a mentor of sorts for Hannah over the past year or so. Um, you know, we think about this passage in Titus 2 where um, women are to teach other women how to love their husbands. And Elise has been a mentor for my life in how to love her husband through some extreme grief and loss. Because Elise also has lost her mother-in-law, just like Hannah has lost her mother-in-law. And Elise has had to love her husband through that type of loss. And so Elise, at the end of a day full of taking care of her husband and her kids, has spent hours talking to my phone or talking on the phone with my wife and praying with and for my wife. And that's an impact. And that's, I'm sure that there were some evenings and some nights there that your cup was empty, but you had the type of mindset that Christ had. And I appreciate that. Amen. Well, that's, 
I mean, I, obviously I don't feel like I deserve that praise. I just think that the thing about being a Christian, and, and you're right, it's more than just wives and mothers. This is this letter was written to a church that had men, women, children, people of all ages. And that phrase, let this mind be in you. That's something that, uh, you know, I've, I'm constantly hammering into my kids. <laughs> they probably get tired of hearing it. I, you know, I bring this up, let this mind be in you. And we talk a lot about it because the world really encourages us to, well, you, you can't take care of others until you take care of yourself. And while I know that there is some value to those things, there is some truth to you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. There's also the other side of that, that I think sometimes we don't have to think about taking care of ourselves so much. <laughs> um, we always want to prioritize ourselves. I don't think that's something we have to teach ourselves. Yeah, um, it's not a struggle. No, it's not. Um, you know, I mean, just think about it. It's from the moment we're, uh, we're born, a baby cries and demands to be taken care of. They know that their needs must be met. That's just, that's a human instinct. So well, I don't that's why that's Jesus something... said, love your neighbor as you love yourself, because it was implied that we are going to love ourselves. Just plain and simple. Exactly. We don't, we don't need to train ourselves to love ourselves more. <laughs> what we do need to do is train ourselves to stop thinking about what we want and, and maybe what even we think we need so much and look to the interests of others. Let that mind be in us that was also in Christ Jesus. Yeah, it's we can all probably think of times in our lives where we've where we've neglected ourselves some to, to serve others or when we've seen it's probably mostly us guys watching our wives neglect themselves and their comfort and what they want to do in the service of others. I mean, at least you can probably think about that. You can probably count on one hand, the number of times this week that you actually got to eat your food while it was hot. Right. <laughs> yeah. Even though my kids are older, you think that that's going to change, but it really doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It, and so there's that, that balance there of exercising healthy self care. You know, we see the Lord engage in that. In two specific instances, we see him rising early in the morning to go be in a solitary place and pray. We also see that after the death of John the Immerser, he took his disciples away from the crowds to kind of process and recover. But what you don't see is them indulging in the flesh in that recovery. And that recovery is a, is a spiritual refreshing and right. I think that we need to temper those things with what is really going to fill that cup back up. And I'm also reminded of John chapter four, whenever Jesus had stayed at the well, his disciples had gone into the town to get food. And then he has the conversation with the woman at the well. Now, Jesus was probably tired, road weary, um, fed up with all that he had to put up with that day. And then there's this lady coming to pepper him with questions in the middle of the day. Right. And he probably could have right. just said, please leave me alone. <laughs> it's, he invested in her and his disciples come back and they're like, master, you need to eat. And he's like, I have food to eat that you don't know about. And then they said, did somebody bring him food? 
And Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of God and to finish his work. Mm-hmm. And what sometimes we realize as, as we are pouring from our cup into the lives of others, that the Lord is actually pouring into that cup at the same time. Yes. And I think that, I mean, if Jesus hadn't stopped and had that conversation, I, I mean, this woman, he impacted her so much. She ran into this village and come and see, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And, and because of her willingness to share, they came and learned from Jesus and, and, that gained believers for the kingdom. Um, and I think we forget that sometimes that giving of ourselves, if we can just stop looking at ourselves for a minute, the, the reward is so much greater. And even for, for us, when I give to my kids, the rewards, even, even in the sacrifice, outweigh what I could have had. Um, and I do, I do want to mention, because I know that there are people who the idea of this, you can pour from an empty cup, it upsets them. And they say, well, what about this? What about that? And there's, um, there's a hesitancy. And, and I want to be clear that I don't mean that, you know, you should neglect your, your own care to a point that it's detrimental. Um, I was actually thinking about Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. When he flees from Jezebel, he goes into the wilderness there in verses uh, 3 through 8. And he's just so weary. He sits under this tree and he he asks the Lord, just let me die. Just take my life right now. And you could could even say he's probably depressed. I mean, Jezebel has had so many prophets of God killed and, and she's after him and he feels like he's next and he's escaped her. And, you know, he laid under that tree and he slept and an and, and God sends an angel to him. And the angel feeds him. He eats and drinks and then he falls back asleep again. He wakes up, the angel feeds him again. And once he's had rest and sustenance, the angel says, okay, arise and eat the journey is too great for you and so he gets up he eats and drinks and he and he carries on and I think that's what as we look at our lives in the times that maybe we do need to stop and recharge you know Jesus went to the alone to not pray he sent his apostles you know there in Mark 6 um, he says okay it's time for you guys to have some solitude go pray go recharge those things are important and that God is fully aware that we are human and that we need those things. But that once we've had that rest and recharge to get up and carry on. Main takeaway here is that when you've been working hard for the Lord, sometimes what you deserve is a nap and a snack. (laughs) Well, I think to your point, Elise, um, and I'm reminded of what Hannah talked about in the, the first episode of this month is just making sure that your priority is that you're doing this so that you can continue the work and using that self-care or Hannah referred to it as soul care in a way that it's to recharge your battery so that you can continue moving forward 
and that that time should be spent not on self-love, self-promotion, making yourself into an idol, but rather it's to reconnect with God and it's to recenter. Right. That's what she, that's the way Jesus mm-hmm. spent his quote unquote self-care was reconnecting to the father, recentering. Um, and one of the examples that Hannah brought up was that Jesus was trying to get away from the multitude and they stopped him. They followed him. Yeah. They, you know, and he stopped and he took care of them. He served them. He looked at their interests and saw them as more important than his own. And once he was finished with that task, he went and he was able to reconnect with the father. And so to your point, it's important that we recharge those batteries. And it's important that we are able to reconnect and recenter. But we've got to make sure that the priority is that and not I just need to escape from all things. And this needs to become my new habit of, you know, going and doing whatever, just because that's what I want to do. That's how I recharge my batteries. That's how I refill my cup. I think that's a very proud mentality because that's the way I do things rather than relying on God to refill that cup. Right. So I think that, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think that that, um, Jeffrey, what you're talking about is Matthew um, 14 and 14. He says, um, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to get away. He's trying to get some solitude and he sees the crowd and he has compassion on them. And I just think that that compassion, if we have that in our hearts, it goes a long way, even towards giving us the strength to keep going, even when we feel like we're, we're on running on empty. Yeah, that's a great point. So we definitely need to, to take a page out of the Lord's playbook in that way and make sure that our recovery is God honoring and not uh, flesh, um, flesh promoting, I guess. God honoring, not self-fulfilling. There you go. Thanks, Jay. So shifting gears um, a little bit more, you know, we talked about this idea of the the older women teaching the younger and that, you know, at least you've already talked about how that your grandmother, your mother, even your dad have poured into your life in a fantastic way. And then you have also used that as a springboard to invest in the lives of other women in this case, specifically Hannah. And I know that that Titus two type progression of spiritual mentorship and helping is important to you. You want to go into a little bit more about how those Titus two relationships play a part in your life? Yes, I am. You know, as a young person, I I had mentioned earlier in the episode how my dad placed women in my life. Obviously, he knew my mother would be an amazing example. But as children tend to be, you get to your teens and you kind of stop listening to your parents. Um, and so he, he and my mom both purposely placed, uh, other Christian couples and families in our lives who they trusted, who they knew that maybe even if we weren't listening to our parents, we would listen to them. And I specifically remember, um, a lady who, um, she, 
she's an elder's wife at the congregation that I grew up in there in Lubbock at 78th and University. And I would go make visits with her. She would take me to go visit the older folks, the shut-ins, things like that. And she, one thing I remember, she always took her kids with her. Her kids were never too young to go on visits. And I remember her fighting her toddler is, you're, we're going to do this. You're going to have a good attitude about it. And she would, oftentimes, she would feed me lunch beforehand, and then we'd go together. And this one time, she, we were having lunch, and uh, she asked her son, who was about two or three years old, to pray for lunch. And he prayed for the lunch, and he also prayed that God would not let his mom take him on visits. and uh after that prayer she said you're going to learn what it means to not have an answer prayer you're going on those visits with me today (laughs) and uh let's be real it wasn't an unanswered prayer the answer was no yeah (laughs) right right right. (laughs) that really stuck out in my mind and as i grew older and got married and had kids of my own I take my kids on visits and it occurred to me I do this well my parents did that with me but what I remember is this lady taking me and I remember her kids never being too young to go and that I decided and I didn't even realize it that that's what I was going to do too and so I just thought how can I be this for other people how how can I do this and I knew about Titus too. You know, it's one of those chapters you hear a lot of teaching about. But sometimes it's hard to figure out how to put something into practice. Yeah. And so I just started trying to watch other people. And I, you know, I sat down with um, my aunt, who is an elder's wife, and asked her, well, how do you do this? How do you? How do you stay so involved? How do you, you know, just asking her questions and she, and she just would answer those questions and have me be part of her everyday life. And I realized somewhere along the way, this is how you do it. You have somebody be part of your everyday life. And, you know, sometimes that feels inconvenient or sometimes you have somebody there and they see your kids misbehaving and they see a bad day or and, and that can be a discouragement and you can think, well, I don't, don't want to do this, you know. Um, but I just, I just decided that one day this person that I'm with is going to be a young married mom. And her kids are going to be having a bad day. And she's going to feel the way I feel right now. My kids having a bad day, feeling embarrassed. And the way I respond to this can help her or hurt her. Mm-hmm. So I just try to take, you know, those opportunities and say, listen, when you're with us, sometimes we have bad days. My kids aren't always perfect. They miss the cave. We, you know, we have to go out punishments or whatever. Um, and this is who we are. <laughs> you know, this is mm-hmm. just what you see is what you get. And it's not always pretty. And trying to not be afraid to be real um, and to invite somebody into our personal space. Um, and to just invite them to be part of our family. The American culture, we're all about our home being our sanctuary, our escape, our, you know, it's like 
build walls around it so nobody can come in. But we're in the church. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to look different. We're supposed to be a peculiar people. And this idea of wanting and welcoming people into that space is that's where it happens. That's where Titus 2 happens is they see how you function every day. They see it by what you're doing. And when you have good, you know, good days, great days, you can take that and say, hey, this is an example of a really good day. And this is how it went well. And if you have a bad day, you can you can level with somebody and say, you know, our day started off rotten because of this. Or, you know, um, a lot of times we learn by trial and error. And if somebody can learn by my trial and my error, that's better for them. And then when they're teaching their kids and the younger people to them, they'll, they'll be even better. If that makes sense. Yeah. At least that was actually a shift that happened relatively recently for Hannah and I, you know, whenever we first got married and we're talking about having kids, one of the things that we talked about is that we wanted our home to be that sanctuary and to be, you know, that fortress of solitude where our kids could let their guards down and they could, and we were, there were good intentions there. But what we recognized as we got further into our marriage and raising our daughters and just through growth in being Christians, we recognized that that wasn't functional for Christians, or at least for us as Christians and what we believe needed to happen. And so we actually started talking about making changes where our doors were more open to people so that they could see our lives, we could have relationships with them. And, you know, now if you come over to our house, you're probably going to see a bunch of toys on the floor and you may see some, some clothes laying on our bedroom, on our bed. Um, You may see old plates that we ate off of two days ago sitting near the sink. And I know that that may like make some people cringe, but that's us. And, you know, we sometimes have to make decisions like not washing the dishes so that we can sit down and talk to somebody and we can study the Bible with somebody. And um, we may not pick up toys every day or every evening because we would rather spend that time cuddling with our girls. And um, it has become more of a priority for us to have our door open rather than having it locked. Right. Well, you know, there have been ladies in my life who took me under their wing and still do. And there's nothing wrong with doing a sink full of dishes while you talk to somebody and having them help or, or setting it aside for later. I mean, I think that we have to be willing to look at it and say, this might look different than I thought it would, but that doesn't mean that it's bad. Um, Just like, Growing up, when mom and dad would have us do chores, a lot of times they would do them with us. And one thing my dad would tell me is we're always going to be in the trenches with you. And you guys may remember that from your time spent with him is a lot of times he would be out there working in the garden, mowing the lawn, whatever he had the guys doing, he would be doing it too. And my mom, she might have us in the kitchen working and she would be doing it too. Um, And that doesn't mean that there were never times that we did things 
without them there. It's just that there was this feeling as a whole that we were in this together. And so that's what I try to do with my kids or people that are in our home is have them there with us, being a part. Nothing will make you feel like you are part of something instead of just a guest than somebody inviting you to participate. Yeah. And another good thing about your dad being there close while we were doing chores is so he was right there to yell at Jonathan whenever he ran over the water hose with the mower. <laughs> oh. Good stuff. Yeah. Or, or uh, yell at me and Ellen for accidentally pulling the okra because we thought it was weeds. <laughs> How dare you? I know. <laughs> So this goes back to the uniqueness of his approach. I didn't have to do a whole lot of outside chores whenever I was there. And he told me after the fact, he was like, I knew you knew how to work outside. You had to learn other things. And there were a lot of other tactics used to help me and mentor me um, that were very beneficial. And <laughs> um, it was just a slightly different approach with me. And I mentioned one more thing is, thinking about Titus too, is I've heard a lot of older people say, well, the young people don't want to listen. And I think that it's important for young people to be willing to listen to the older. But I think that something that's just as important is for the older to be willing to listen to the younger. Now, James 3 he talks a lot about the tongue. And at the end of James 3, he talks about godly wisdom. Um, verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And I think that we forget that godly wisdom is open to reason. And I think the message there is, willing to listen and maybe maybe the way that I'm doing it even though I'm older and have been doing it longer well maybe that doesn't mean that I have the best way maybe this younger person uh, has some some things to teach me you know Timothy says uh for, was it first Timothy 4 12 let no man despise your youth but be an example to the believers so I think it's important when we think about Titus 2 relationships for the younger, yes, the younger should be willing to listen and learn from the older. But the older should also be willing to listen and learn from the younger. Hey, that was last month's episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm messing with you, Elise. Yeah, I was a little surprised to see. I, I believe it was your dad had a sermon or a sermon series at uh, the congregation where you both attend about bridging generational gaps. And I said, huh, I've heard some really good content along those lines somewhere. Where is it? Yeah. Where, he must have stolen that from you guys. <laughs> you know, all joking aside, bridging the generation gap thing, this thing that we're talking about from Titus 2 has been something that my dad has, uh, when I was younger, I would say harped on or lectured me about. And as as I get older in my life, I realize the deep value. And he actually had a student uh, with him earlier this year, a young lady, and she's 
probably one of the sweetest young ladies I've been able to work with and be get to be a part of her work with my dad. Um, and I told her that one of the biggest gifts she gave to me was that when she spent time with me, I could tell she valued whatever I had to say. And she really listened and she was hungry to learn, not just from me, but from everybody that she got to work with. And uh, I just, I think it's really special when I get to see these things that my dad harped on for years <laughs> coming to fruition and, and blessing my life. And hopefully that will turn into a blessing for my kids too. I assure you it already has. Well, Elise, it's meant so much to the three of us that you would agree to be on our podcast and, and share some wisdom and spend some time away from your family, filling our cup uh, from your time. And we've really enjoyed having you on the, on the episode today. Well, I just, I, I was kind of nervous, but it's, it's been a blast. And I have just loved the content of y'all's podcast and I want to encourage you to just keep keep it up well thank you we uh we just try to have a lot of fun it is a lot of work but we just uh us three guys we love the Lord and we love each other and want to try to let that show and, and bless people through the project and we sure hope that it's done that so uh as we round up today we've got one more episode along this vein before we begin next month and so we're still finalizing our plans for that so we're looking forward to what we have going on in the month of june but before we wrap up we just want to say thank you to everyone who's listening we would definitely encourage you to leave us a like or a review wherever you consume podcasts and if you have been blessed by the content that we produce we ask that you would share it with someone tell someone about it so that other people can gain godly perspective in their life on the issues that impact them. And uh, we're going to ask Jared to close us out today with a prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for the opportunity we had to gather together via technology to spend some time together and, and focus on your word. And Father, we thank you for Elise and her relationship with all of us and the growth that she has shown through her life and the wisdom she was willing to share. Father, in regards to the things we've studied, and, and spoken about this evening, we pray that you would help us to learn to pray better, learn to lean on you and cast our cares before you and use that as encouragement to know that you hear those prayers, that you see your children and that you care for us. And Father, we also pray that you would help us as we do that to learn to focus on others and the needs of others and how we can help those around us and be servants and have the mind of Christ living in us. Father, we thank you for the wisdom that you allow us to have and the, the wonder that is your word and in, in getting it to us through the ages. Pray that you would help us to be diligent in studying it and applying it to our hearts. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, and the ability we have through him to be your sons and daughters. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Y'all too. Thanks for joining us.